What's up, folks? It's me. It is me. It is Mr. Sensational, Gino V. Gino Vega, coming to you, the tens of ones in the listening audience, with a very special episode 84 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network. Yes, it is once again time for another installment of this The show where I, once again, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, plumb the depths of my ordinary, average, mundane soul. Dig into those tedious, existential guts to bring you takes, thoughts, tales that you didn't need, nor did you want. But you're getting them anyway. Here on the show. So let's kick off this week's show. What are we going to talk about this week? That is the perennial question here on the show. The show that every week I struggle with, much like, um, what was that fellow's name? Sisyphus pushing the stone back up the hill. Every week I start with the show having no idea what to talk about because I don't really have much going on to share with the tens of ones, but try as I might, I, I come up with something and I, I, I shove that stone up the hill only to find myself a week later with the stone back at the foot of the hill, beginning the process once again. And so for the last three weeks, I was actually, uh, the stone stayed up on the hill for quite a while because I managed to occupy myself telling the tale of some teenage hooliganism that I was involved in. Teenage hijinks gone wrong. And I told that story in a three-part arc, which you can go back to and listen from the IC Robots Radio Network archives. That would be episodes 83, 82, and 81, counting backwards, um, of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast is when I told that three-part tale. So if you missed out, eh, go back and check it out or not. Um, It is all the same over here. The tale was told. It is up to you whether you would like to receive it or not. So this week, now that that tale has been unburdened, we are going to talk about some recent goings-on in the Vegaverse. Um, my God, when was this? This was not last weekend, but the weekend before. I think I touched upon this a bit last week, but I didn't go into detail. Um... We had kind of a busy mini-trip weekend. We uh, took the family camping uh, out on the property owned by some friends of ours. It was one of the friends' birthday, so there was a, kind of some festivities out there. Uh, hung out with them. Spent the night out there. Came back to Sensational Manor 2.5. That would, it was a Sunday when we got back here in the middle of the day. Kind of bathed, uh, got ourselves resituated, then hopped in the car and uh, drove down to the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk in Santa Cruz, California to celebrate our youngest child, Miss Sensational 2's 14th birthday. She, she has long been a fan of the beach boardwalk. So it's not that we go there for every one of her birthdays, but every so often for her birthday, that is where we will traverse. It's down to Santa Cruz, to the beach boardwalk. It's about two hours away from here in Napa where we live. Um, It was a bit of an adventure getting out there because uh, we were taking, 
what is now more or less my car. We have two cars currently. We have a 2017 Honda Civic. Um, and that is generally the car that I use for the minimal driving that I do. I don't really drive a lot. Every now and again, I have called to drive over to Santa Rosa, California, where IC Robots lives, where we used to live for various, various uh, business matters. Um, and that's like the, the extent of my driving is I'll have to do the hour drive there and the hour drive back. One, I usually end up doing that once every couple weeks for a number of reasons. But other than that, that car is pretty much just kind of for around town, like these little five-minute jaunts here and there that I, oh, God, I just got attacked by a cat. <laughs> little five-minute jaunts here and there around town that I have to do, taking kids, this, that, and the third place. Um, meanwhile, our other vehicle is a recently purchased vehicle. I want to say maybe a 2018, 2019. It was a new used car. It was a Volkswagen E-Golf. E-Golf, much like E-Nerd, Engineer Nerd. That does not stand for Engineer Golf. I think it stands for Electric Golf. Because it is, in fact, an electric car. Now, to those of you out in the audience, the, the mutants among the tens of the ones, settle down. It's okay. It's okay. I have a gasoline-powered car, too. Uh, but we did purchase this electric vehicle. Um, because... Ms. Sensational has to drive a half an hour to and a half an hour from her job every day. And it just seemed more economical in this day and age. This was even before Let's Go Brandon raised the gas prices single-handedly. Um, it just seemed, why use gasoline for this half hour there, half hour back drive every day when you can just have this little efficient electric vehicle? that charges at home when uh, it's not being used and charges at her work when she's at work. And it's just, you know, yeah, we got to pay for the car, but once that's done, it will pay itself back. Uh, the dividends will be strong with this electric vehicle. So we, we purchased the electrical electric vehicle, purchased it from one of those gimmicks. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, it was Carvana. So you just, you, you purchase it online. It, it diagrams all the different dings and scuffs of the used vehicle. Um, it showed up at our house on some, uh, like weird, you know, it's just a regular car carrier, but they got these like fancy lights and all this stuff. So it makes it seem like there's some like event happening when they drop it off much more pleasant than purchasing it from an actual, like going to like a used car lot or some such. It's very, very easy, at least with that particular purchase. Um, I imagine one's mileage, no pun intended, may vary when it comes to a service like Carvana, but it worked very well for us. So anyway, we have the gasoline-powered Honda Civic with a range of however many, you know, I think I fill up the tank and it's got like, you know, 350 miles or something like that. And I I say, let's go, Brandon, FJB. And then I'm, I'm kidding about that, by the way, folks, please don't. Uh, okay, if you're a mutant, I'm not kidding, and I'm all with you. If you're not a mutant, I'm, I am kidding. I, I'm trying to cater to all audiences here. Um, I just, I, I personally, I, just, I find the, the let's go, Brandon thing very funny. Just because it's so dumb, and the not, politics notwithstanding, it just if it was right wing lunatics saying "Let's go, Brandon," if it was like left wing do gooders saying "Let's go, Brandon," if it was like normal middle of the road people, I anyone thinking that that is actually clever, I would be laughing at. So hence, hence I'm I'm making fun of "Let's go, Brandon" because uh, it's, it's it's absurd, but uh, mainly absurd because I think as I've mentioned before on the show, the people that are really into it around here feel the need they'll make these signs that say "Let's go, Brandon," but then in parentheses. 
they say FJB um, just to make sure you get it. And then in parentheses next to that, they'll have actual beep Joe Biden, just in case you didn't get the first two. And so at this point, it's like, guys, this joke really only works if you're not having to explain it. Anyway, enough of the Brandon talk. We'll, we'll set Brandon aside for now. Um, where was I? Oh, so uh, we have the electric vehicle, or the gasoline power vehicle with the long range once the tank is filled for a pretty penny. We have the electric vehicle that fills for free, but the range is only like 100-ish miles or so. So anyway, the point of this long rambling tale is we got in the car to drive to Santa Cruz. We got into the Honda Civic to drive to Santa Cruz. And um, we had driven the Honda Civic all the way up out to Guerneville where we'd gone camping, which is a couple hours away, driven all the way back home. Uh, it was fine. We were getting ready to traverse to Santa Cruz, and just as we're getting on the freeway to get out of town, there's this god-awful just scraping sound as we're driving down the freeway. So it's like, oh, that doesn't sound good. So we pulled over and looked under the car, and it looked, and this is, you know, it's like 100 degrees outside. We're tired from camping the night before. So it's like, I, and you're, you're trying to look under the, under the body of the car, like just on the side of the road on some gravel. So I couldn't get like a really good look at it, but it looked as though um, there was like a big gash under the car. So I was like, well, that's not good. And in addition to this, my air conditioner hadn't been working. So then I, I started to become paranoid, became convinced that like there'd been some gash under the car and coolant was leaking out or some such. Uh, in any case, we did not feel um, comfortable driving the car for two hours in its state. So we turned around, brought it back home, dropped it off and jumped into the e-golf. Um, now the issue with the e-golf is we were able to get to about a place called Fremont, California, which is about an hour away, at which point we had to stop and charge the car because with the charge that it had, we could have made it to Santa Cruz with nothing left. And you don't really want to be in that situation. We always try to, when we're driving that car, try to have like a 30 mile buffer, like 30 miles. We have 30 miles more juice than we need. So I had to stop at Fremont and uh, we found a place and we charged and that was fine, but it just kind of, it, it drug out the, the travel. It made, it made it take more closer to three hours to get to Santa Cruz than two hours. Um, and I guess this is why um, jokes on me, jokes on us for buying an electric car, because if you really want to have freedom, you got to stick with the fossil fuels. Um, just kidding, folks. There's not someday where we were waiting on the, the higher. I mean, there are higher capacity electric cars just for what we needed this car for. It wasn't being looked to as a long distance, long distance uh, steed, but here it was put being put into long distance service. Um, made it to Santa Cruz. We uh, got there in the evening, and the point was we were gonna stay there overnight and then do the beach boardwalk thing all day the next day and then come home. Stayed there overnight. We uh, had dinner at this restaurant in Santa Cruz. We had been there once before during a somewhat awkward visit to Santa Cruz. Um, this visit, it must have been, actually I know for a fact it was, it was during the part of the COVID pandemic when um, the vaccines had been newly released and were theoretically only available to people of a certain age group or um, health status, 
that no one in our family was in yet. So vaccines were there, but we were not yet vaccinated. But it was that weird in-between time where it was like, it's not like we were going out 24-7, but we were going out more than we had been before. And I can't remember what exactly inspired it. But we went down to Santa Cruz. Uh, We might have been going somewhere else, too, and we stopped there on the way there. I can't totally recall now. But we stopped in Santa Cruz because our older child, Miss Sensational One, is thinking about possibly going to UC Santa Cruz for college, and we wanted her to look at the campus. And at the time, because of the COVID situation, the campus wasn't doing, like, bonafide tours or anything, but we just went there and kind of walked around because it's a very outdoorsy campus. It's out in the middle of these redwoods. It's a pretty cool spot. It's like it's like right on the beach, but it's also in a redwood forest. So it's like you're you're in Endor on the beach. Um, but we just kind of looked around because we wanted her to get a look at it to see if she even liked the the, the physical feel and look of the campus um, before delving further into you know looking at what the classes are like or whatnot. Um, and on this visit. We decided to get something to eat, and Ms. Sensational, my wife, was looking at recommendations of places on Yelp or something, and she's like, oh, there's this Italian place, and I was like, I don't want to go to some lame, random Italian place in Santa Cruz. It's probably going to be whack, um, but uh, it turned out it's like this world-class Italian restaurant. Not that, I, not that I'm always looking to go to some world-class place. I don't mind divey places too, but I just I thought it was just going to be a really boring, run-of-the-mill, overpriced Italian. A lot, a lot of times that seems to be my, my experience with Italian restaurants. It's like they're not good, they're not bad, but they're just there, and it's all similar food to what you could make at home, but it's just like like greasier, and um, it's really expensive. But this this was not that. This was this this is this very it's casual, but it's also extremely high end Italian food. The guy has been a chef in Italy, and again, I'm not some I mean, don't don't get it twisted. Heaven forbid, you know, you think I, I'm I'm some snob only looking to dine at high end places. But it was it was unexpected high end dining that was not particularly high maintenance or expensive. I mean, it wasn't cheap either, but you know what I mean. It just it, it was it, for what it was. It was much more than what I was expecting. I had this lovely dinner there. Back at the time when it, we hadn't been out anywhere in a long time and you were still like eating outside, so it was kind of weird, but we did it. Anyway, we were able to go back now. Um, uh, I know everyone's mileage may vary on COVID. I've, I've basically become a full mutant with COVID. I, I don't really care anymore. <laughs> Not to be weird. I don't, I don't mean like I'm going to behave in a way that's gonna, going to uh, endanger people that are at risk or um, do anything crazy like that. Just for me... Vaccinated, boosted. I've had it, uh, I, so I'm just kind of. I, I've done everything I can do, uh, short of ceasing to live life. So I'm back in the thick of it. I'm back in the mix. Um, so we had a lovely uh, meal at this restaurant, um, and one kind of fun gimmick they have in there is they have these two little, um, you know, little like less than full-size arcade cabinets. Um, and one has, it's, I can't remember if it's Pac-Man or Ms. Pac-Man, but it has one of the Pac-Man arcade games. The other one has Mortal Kombat. And they're free to play. I think it's to, like, occupy kids that are in there with their families. You know, you can be, hey, go, kids, go play. And that's exactly what happened with us. We were waiting for our food, and Ms. S and I were, were having a drink, and the kids were getting kind of antsy. It's like, hey, why don't you go check out those arcade games? So they went over there. 
and played the arcade games, which I was expecting. I was like, oh man, we're going to figure out a way to get change or something. But nope, they're just free to play. But uh, it was interesting because I was watching the kids, um, Miss One and Miss Two, 17 and 14 respectively, play these games. And I was watching them play Mortal Kombat. And I'm pretty sure it would have been the first time the two of them had encountered Mortal Kombat. And I was looking at Mortal Kombat, and it was occurring to me what a wretched game Mortal Kombat is. Um, and I remember feeling this way even back in the day. But time has done it no favors. Because you you essentially had, at whatever year that was, and I guess it was the 1990s, and anywhere you went... There was either a Street Fighter 2 cabinet or a Mortal Kombat cabinet. And and it seems like people were Street Fighter 2 people or they were Mortal Kombat people. But where Street Fighter 2 had the very stylized, uh, kind of cartoonish-looking characters that transcend space and time, Mortal Kombat was going for that photorealistic thing that looked jank even in the 90s. Looks super jank now. Just, just an awful, ugly, wretched game. No love for Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat gets zero mics here on the uh, on the source mic scale here on the Mr. Sensational Xenovega podcast. Apologies to any of the types of ones who are diehard Mortal Kombat fans, but eh, no, no. Um, put that in the same same uh, pile as Nickelback, and uh, I don't know what else is whack. Uh, I don't know some other lame things I can't think of right now. Anyway, the next day, it was time to tackle the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. And for those of you who are not familiar with Santa Cruz, it is a relatively small city um, in Northern California. If you are approaching it from the north like we are, you have to drive through like the San Jose, Silicon Valley area. And then you go through some kind of mountainous, uh, foresty terrain um, on these kind of sketchy windy highway roads and then eventually you end up on the coast in Santa Cruz proper. It's a beach town. It's like a divey beach town. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just, it is what it is. It's not, you know, there's different gradations of beach towns out there in the United States. Some are high maintenance, fancy beach towns. This is like, this is like a seedy beach town, Santa Cruz. And again, I don't mean this in a disparaging way. It's just the way it is. And it's actually quite charming. I think I enjoy anytime I go to Santa Cruz, I enjoy it. So there's a lot of like lean-to-looking structures and ticky-tacky developments. And um, amidst all of this, there is the resplendent Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, which is a literally a boardwalk. Like, you would, it's, you know, it's like you, you see images of, like, the Atlantic City. It's like that, but on the West Coast. It's a boardwalk. Um, it's got an arcade. It's got rides. Uh, I can't remember. I used to know the history of the boardwalk, but it was open at one point in time. I think it's owned by, like, a guy or an entity that also owns a lot of auto dealerships in the area now owns the uh, Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. Admission is free. You just pay for the ride. So you can either pay, you know, for a certain amount of rides or you can do what we do, which is just buy the wristband that gets you in to whatever all day because it's at a certain point just like it's not worth nickel and diming. Um, does not get you the, – the wristband does not apply to the arcade. The arcade, you got to fill up a card with credits. That's a whole different scene. So anyway, we got there and um, – if you ever visit the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, um, I would recommend getting there early because we did it kind of accidentally this time and it worked out really slick because this was a, uh, we were there on a Monday in the summer. So I don't know where that stacks with peak times. 
but the rides open at 11 and we got there around 10 and there was no one there. The parking lot that cost like $20 to park in was empty. And as were all the metered spots like right in front of the boardwalk. And at first we thought the metered spots must be empty because there's no way you can park in them. They must be like limited, you know, like two hour parking and stuff. But oh no, we checked. The metered spots, you use an app and you just, you check out when you leave. Um, And so we were able to, got there early, we were able to park in a metered spot right across the street from the boardwalk. Uh, No one was there, which... Is not really that big of a benefit because once the ride rides open, then everyone's there, so you end up in lines for rides anyway. But just being able to like situate yourself with that parking spot right there, that was kind of cool. And uh, you get there early. We got a cup of coffee, walked around a little bit. The arcade is open. So uh, we started off at the arcade. Um, all four of us loaded up some cards. And I have to say, I was a little bit disappointed with the arcade. The last time I was there, there were a number of pinball tables. Those pinball tables, unless they have migrated to somewhere that I did not look, appear to be gone entirely. There was no pinball to be found on the premises. And that was kind of a bummer because at this point, when I go to arcades, pinball is kind of my jam. It's the it's the arcade game... The style of arcade game that I still get the most enjoyment out of playing as an old person. Like, you go back to some of these old games, and there's, like, the nostalgia factor, but the games are actually kind of whack. Um, but pinball's pinball. Pinball's always solid. Um, so anyway, there was no pinball, so then I decided to check out the retro section. And I've noticed this now in a couple of different arcades. I've noticed this at the Epicenter Arcade in Santa Rosa. I've noticed it at the Napa Bowl Bowling Alley here in Napa, California. I've noticed it now at the Boardwalk. I used to sort of gloss over the fact when I used to listen to Vic Sage's Diary of an Arcade Employee podcast, and he would talk about there was a guy, he he would talk about this place, Arcadia Retrocade in Fayetteville, Arkansas, if I remember correctly. And this place, you know, is dedicated to these old cabinets and keeping them pristine, keeping them working. And he would have a guy on his podcast sometimes who was like uh, like a mechanic type dude that worked on the games there. And I, I, I always just kind of glossed over that. Like, you know, I didn't, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I just, it just didn't really register to me how important that was. Until lately when I've been going to these arcades that have these little poorly maintained retro corners. And it's just a bunch of cabinets that haven't been maintained or touched in decades. And they're really starting to age badly. Like the screens are all washed out. You can barely see what's going on. The controls are all sticky and messed up. So much respect to the people like Arcadia Retro Kid who are actually keeping these machines in tip-top repair. But because in most mainstream arcades now that just have the obligatory retro section, because they're not doing that kind of maintenance, I haven't really been enjoying playing old-timey arcade games when I go out to these places. So no pinball, whack retro area, and then the new games, I don't want to be that back-in-the-day guy, but they're just not... I, I don't understand a lot of the modern... Um, video games. There's a few, like there's this one I played the Epicenter in Santa Rosa that I really enjoy, which is this like four person, I think, player Pac-Man game where you're playing Pac-Man, but then you're also playing competitively against the other Pac-Man in addition to the ghosts. That one is fun. They didn't have it there. So there's a few of these newer games that are twists on old games, which I can kind of get behind. But for the most part, they're these weird like rail ride, you know, like Transformers, the movie game where you're just like mindlessly you know, shooting at nothing. I just, just very, very artless. Um, 
the current crop of arcade games. So I tried playing a few. I played um, played this whack Batman game where you're in a Batmobile driving around shooting at things mindlessly. Um, I played another whack Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like newer game. I found this one retro console that had like a bunch of different games loaded on it, and I played um, Exevious. And I played, um, gosh, I can't even remember what else I played on there now. That one, that, that machine was kind of, oh, I played Dig Dug. That machine was kind of fun because it was like a new machine just emulating old games. It was in better shape than some of the actual OG old games. So that was kind of fun to play for a while. Then the family got all excited because we found this bank of Mario Kart um, uh, cabinets. And we were under the mistaken impression there's a similar, there's a game that they have at the Epicenter in Santa Rosa, and they had it at the Beach Boardwalk too. Um, it's some madcap racing game where it's like, it's not like Mario Kart where you're like dopey buggies with like cartoon characters. It's like realistic looking cars, but then the driving is very cartoonish. You know, you like you drive through, like jets are crashing and you're like driving through explosions and all this stuff. Maybe it's called like cruising something or other. But anyway, the way it's gimmicked up at uh, Epicenter is that you sit down to this bank of like four machines. They're all interconnected. So you're all racing each other. So it's kind of fun to play as a group. So we sat down at this bank of four uh, Mario Kart games. We thought it was going to be the same thing, but no, it was just individual games. And then the worst part, you know, so Mario Kart's a great game. Enjoy playing it at home. Thought it would be fun to play in an arcade, and I had not actually played arcade Mario Kart before. I've seen it in arcades before, I had not played it. The issue is, you win one circuit in this arcade game, and the game is over. You come in first place, and the game is over. You don't get to move to the next cup, nothing like that. Just one and done. It's it, 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 not cool. Not cool. What's the point? I mean, I guess you can continue from that point, but it's just like, you would, you would assume that the reward for coming in first was that the game would stay alive. But no, no, the spirit of the arcade has changed. The ethos has changed. The zeitgeist, as it were, has changed and has left me behind an old man yelling at a cloud. So finally, the rides opened. And I don't recall how much I've talked about roller coasters and, and those style of rides on the show before. But... There's something that I've come to terms with later in life. When I was a child, I sort of convinced myself I didn't like roller coasters. And uh, I just always thought that I'd get on one and it would be so terrifying and so overwhelming I would not be able to survive the experience. Um, or if I were to survive the experience, some disaster would take place and the coaster would collapse and I would die in a fiery inferno. As I have gotten older and I've taken stock of my life and I've thought about things, I realized part of my issue with roller coasters, other things in life too, but specifically with roller coasters right now, is I was approaching them from the worst parts of like kind of my OCD control freak tendencies. I was not willing to just go on them, give up control, not worry about what was going to happen and just accept the experience. And once I started doing that, primarily through family visits to Disneyland, that's when I really started to embrace rides and Disney rides are, are tame too. Um, but like, you know, 
when we had kids and we started going there, I went on Thunder Mountain, and it's like, that's not bad. That's actually fun. I went on Space Mountain. That's not bad. That's not actually fun. I went on the Matterhorn. Well, that one totally sucks, but it's not because it's scary. It's because it's like wrenching your back and really uncomfortable and boring, and you have to wait in line for 50 minutes, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Went on uh, what used to be California Screaming is now the Incredicoaster, which is the most wild roller coaster at Disneyland. I was like, well, that was like super fun. Um, so I have become open to the world of rides. Uh, so we had gone to the beach boardwalk in the past and I had forgone some of the roller coasters in previous trips. But this time I was like, I'm all in, I'm riding anything, everything, whatever, count me in, I'm on it. So, uh, the very first ride we were standing in front of that we decided to go on was a, um, roller coaster they have there called, I believe, Undertow. Undertow is somewhat similar if you've ever ridden Goofy's Flight School, uh, at, um, California Adventure, the Disney California Adventure Park, uh, formerly known as Mulholland Madness, then rebranded to Goofy's Flight School. Similar coaster to that, except that the cars are like these spinning seats. So you're on a similar type of track as the Goofy ride, but your seat is spinning around while you're, while, while you're on it. Wonderful ride. Great views of the boardwalk as you are being flung to and fro. Wonderful way to begin the day. We went from that to then riding the Giant Dipper, which is like the quintessential coaster at uh, the Beach Boardwalk. It's it's wood, old school, OG coaster. You look at it, it looks like the wood's rotting and it's about to fall apart. But see, we go back to this giving up control freak habits, going with the flow, going along with what, what, what the fates have in store, got on that ride. Absolutely amazing. Classic coaster. So glad I finally got it together and got on there. Both of those rides are worth the price of admission to the park, and hey, the price of admission is free. But I mean, it's worth, worth if you're going to go there, if you have a minute to stop by the, the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, you just want to pay for like the minimal amount of rides you can pay for, tr- hop on those two. You will not regret it. Um, we kind of bummed around other than that. There's a few, uh, those are like, to me, the main two rides. There are some real crazy rides that we didn't go on that maybe if you're into that kind of, you know, the kind that just like shoot you off into the air and fling you around and not even roller coasters, you know, just these weird slingshot type where you're sitting in like a swing. Uh, didn't, didn't feel I needed to embrace the fates that much. Um, but as far as the roller, as roller coasters go, those are the two main roller coasters there. There's like a little kids roller coaster that's kind of fun, but it's like real, sh- it's again, it's similar to the go coaster at Disneyland. It's just like a two second little roller coaster. That's fun, but short and probably not worth the amount of time you're going to have to spend in the line to get on it. And you're taking up a seat that some little kid could get on. Um, and a lot of the other rides are just more kind of low key fair type rides like cars that spin around in a circle. Um, we did go on one ride that uh, I could not stand. We're going to tell the tale of that ride very quickly here as we wind down this week's episode. This was a ride called Crazy Surf. Our youngest was adamant about going on Crazy Surf, so we went on as a family. And now, Crazy Surf is a long horizontal line of seats up against the wall that says crazy surf and has like a circusy surfy uh what do you call it um not montage but a mural painted on the back and when you walk up to it and you're trying to find out what the ride actually is you walk up and you hear this recorded voice it's like welcome to crazy surf and uh we were trying to figure out like what actually happens on this ride and uh, I was like, this looks kind of weird, man. I don't know. And then, like, uh, 
Miss Sensational 2, our 14 year old, is like, look, there's babies on this ride. It can't be that bad. So we watched the first go round. And um, a funny thing happened. So basically what this ride is, is it's this horizontal line of seats and the seats get swung back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And finally there's enough centrifugal force that they go up and around and around and around and around and then back the other way and around and around. So you're being flung while sitting on this bench, basically. Um, the issue with the ride um, that we were able to see while we were waiting in line is that um, they sometimes need to... Uh, redirect people where they're sitting based on weight distribution on uh, on the ride. So <clears throat> there was a guy um, sitting in the middle of the ride while we were waiting, and there were a bunch of really small little kids on either end. And basically the people, the ride attendants needed to switch the little kids moving more towards the center and the fuller size adults out to the, to the sides. And um, I should preface that this guy was a mutant. And I should also... Uh, uh, for context, bring in the fact that there were a lot of mutants at the boardwalk that day. So many mutants. Actually, you know, I don't know that there were so many mutants, but the mutants want to make themselves known. Normal people go there wearing normal clothing. The mutants go there decked out in clothing with all these, like, aggro mutant slogans on them so that you know who the mutants are. And I don't really care so much what their political predilections are. I'm just not clear why we're having to wear clothing about this while we're all trying to be out here having a good time. Uh, It's very odd to me with the mutants, and this is why, uh, to me, I call them mutants, that your personality would be so based on political grievances, no matter what those grievances are, that you would just wear that on your sleeve and that would be your public persona at an amusement park. Very odd. Very strange. So lots of mutants in the house, probably more normal people, but the mutants were just very uh, visible. So this guy in question on the ride was a mutant. He was wearing some shirt that I think was like F your feelings or something like that. And I had like, you know, some like either like a gun or an American flag or something. Um, But (laughs) I point this out because it's very ironic. So he was asked to move to one of the sides because they were trying to get the little kids in the middle full-size adults at the side. He's like, we are trying to say I'm fat? You, you call me fat? And he just had a fit and then finally moved, but then, like, wouldn't let it go. Like, when, once he got off the ride, he's like, ooh, wide load coming through, so they, just, they think I'm fat. So the man that doesn't like feelings was, was full of feelings. And this wasn't in particular a big guy or anything. It, just, it was just a matter of there were literally, like, these 10-pound little babies on the side. There's a full-grown guy in the middle, and they've probably been instructed that put the babies to the middle, get the full-size guys to the side. But uh, this guy was all full of feelings and had a little fit about it um, because you can't take these guys anywhere, not even to the beach boardwalk without them being all upset and up in arms and angry. And like the the mutants are always like the kid in elementary school who is always getting in fights and like beating someone up while crying. I used to call them angry kids, the crying, angry kids. Those are the, they grew up to be mutants. Anyway, it was our turn to get on crazy surf. And so we're sitting there, and I'm sitting in the flimsy chair, just feeling really exposed, my legs dangling down. And like I said, I'm trying to be open-minded, trying to be open to all rides, devil may care. But I was feeling kind of nervous on this one, so to uh, alleviate the feelings of nervousness, I decided to be the funny, funny guy on the ride. 
And I kept um, doing my own version, emulating the what the recording about "Welcome to Crazy Surf," and I just kept saying that over and over again as we were waiting for it to start. Like people get on the ride, I'd nod at them and be like, "Welcome to Crazy Surf," and uh, so doing that, I'm like, "Okay, so I'm preoccupying myself being the annoying clown, so that's good." Then the ride begins, and we're getting flung through the air, and I'm feeling like I'm going to fling out of this chair, and I'm hating my life, and I'm hating the fact that I went on this ride, and it's, it's all the fears I ever had about amusement park rides. Like, I feel like we've been on it now for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. It's never going to end. And so I'm just like, ah, ah, welcome to Crazy Surf, welcome to Crazy Surf, welcome to Crazy Surf. And this little kid sitting next to me is like, it sure is crazy. And uh, so, yeah, that was... That was Crazy Surf. Um, And folks, that was, very special, episode 84 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast. I hope you enjoyed my tale of the boardwalk. I hope that if you're ever in the area, you uh, pay a visit yourself, because the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk in the warm California sun is always a great place to go. So uh, until next time, it's me, it's me, it's Mr. Sensational Gino V, and I'm going to be signing off off.